Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. What makes a piece of writing feel false? What makes it feel true? Why does it move us or fail to move us? These are questions I ask whenever I read a story. In this episode, we're going to learn how to make stories feel more real, more believable, more true. And we're going to do it by borrowing some techniques from acting teachers like Stanislavski, Yuta Hagen, and Stella Adler. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach, and each week we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. As writers, we're not just writers, we have to become actors, we have to step into our characters, we have to become them. Storytelling used to embody emotions in this grandiose, melodramatic style. So actors on stage and even screen used to rely on the art of representation, This was particularly true in the silent movie era. So silent movie actors even had a handbook for this. Do this to look sad or do this to represent the feeling of love. So you'd see a woman, for example, gaze up at her beloved with a tilted head, batting her eyelashes, clasping her hand to her heart. It was completely over the top. And then came along Stanis Vlosky, a Russian theater guru. And as he sat in the theater, he found that some nights the performance felt true and other nights it didn't, it just fell flat. So he started to deconstruct the performances that worked, the performances that made him feel something. He was looking for the way that the actors were tapping into emotion and presenting something that felt organic. It felt like real life emotion rather than presentational. And so he started to come up with this method And it's evolved over time through many other acting coaches, but he changed how 
actors thought about how they should portray a character. It was more realistic. It presented real life and it showed us something about what it is to be human. So it felt like real behavior rather than this um, presentation of behavior. So it was more felt. And then realism came on the scene. You had actors like Marlon Brando and James Dean among the cadre of actors that were using this new technique. So it also changed the ways plays and films were written because writers couldn't rely on the old tricks of melodrama or over-the-top gestures to stand in for emotion. They couldn't rely on the handbook. And these are techniques that we can parlay directly onto our own stories to give the reader an experience that feels organic, true, and spontaneous. So the question is, how might we drop readers directly into the character's internal experience so that they become the character and go on the journey with them. They go on the transformation with them, the emotional journey. Now, with the writers I work with, some of them nail this some of the time and others, they miss the mark completely. They nail it, I've noticed, when they're not trying too hard. They're tapping into something in eight. They're coming at the emotions more aslant. So it's an instinct. But then they miss the mark when they're trying too damn hard, when they're chasing the reader into a corner with a character's grief or fear or anger. So they're using exaggerated emotion or using over-the-top cliched gestures, very similar to the clutched heart and the wide eyes, the beating heart, the silent film actor's toolkit, things that short circuit the reader's emotional involvement. One of the ways that stories ring false is when the writer is giving more of a representation of character and character emotion, but it doesn't feel felt by the writer or lived in. It doesn't feel spontaneous. It just doesn't feel true. So sometimes we'll get exaggerated emotion or cliches like he gasped in horror. She shuddered. Her stomach turned at the sight of it. We have trembling lips and frozen in shock. So it's shorthand emotion and it's cliche. So we've heard these things hundreds of times before. And as readers, we just don't feel it. It tells us virtually nothing about how these characters are feeling. So the questions we're exploring are what makes a story feel true? Why does it move us? And how does it move us? How can we as writers make our story feel true? How can we move our readers to feel something, whether it's excitement or dread or fear or sadness? So here are some techniques from acting coaches to help you tap into an emotional experience for your characters that feels real to the reader, that feels true and not false or manufactured. Number one, be the character. So when Stanislavski was developing this new way for actors to develop their craft, he observed that 
a good performance was grounded in the emotional reality of an actor's embodied experience. Embodied experience. So he developed this technique called emotional memory. He developed this technique centered around the art of experiencing. So he thought of the actor as a heightened emotional animal that was all about being and subtext in the subconscious. And this, of course, changed how writers thought about the whole endeavor of storytelling. So if you're struggling to feel your way into your character, into your character's experience, if you're struggling to convey their reaction or their emotion in a way that feels honest and true, tap into your own experiences. Don't give us an idea of what angry is or an idea of what fear is. Drop into the senses of a felt experience. Maybe it's grief or betrayal or fear. I once had a poetry teacher say, what does fear taste like? It's a great question, right? Because it does activate different senses, right? We see things differently in fear. Things were distorted. So you have to get really close to that embodied experience. So let's say you're writing a scene between a married couple who's fighting or breaking up. Recall a time you experienced something similar. Even if you never were broken up with, Think of a time you felt betrayed or hurt or angry. What was said? What do you wish you'd said? What sense details can you recall? Were you sitting on what? Was it hard? Was it soft? If you had just eaten something or drank something, was there a taste in your mouth? What was the light like? Were you indoors or out? If you were outside, what season was it? Was it hot? Was it humid? Was it cold? So as a writer, you have nothing but your personal past to help you connect with your character's experience. And it all depends on how you use it. You can use your past experiences directly and lay it over a particular scene, or you can take your inner life of imagery and create places and events that stimulate you as a writer. So you want to ask, what if this situation were really happening? How would I, as your character, react? Because your story's protagonist is you, or a lot like you. You want to connect what's emotionally true for you to your character's situation. Your antagonist is also a side of you. It may be a more hidden side of you, but especially with troublesome characters, you want to bring the same humanity. Our local Woodstock, New York acting teacher, Sandy Shuren, recently said this, you're a million different people. All of the characters you play are inside of you. Open the hologram of who you are and look inside to find them. I love this because we are different people in different situations and with different people. 
We're different people at work than we are at home. We're different in public than we are in private. And different sides of us are activated in different situations with different people. So I'm much more buttoned down in professional situations than I am when I'm home. So we all have these different personas. We have a public persona, we have a social persona, and we have a private self, a secret self. So draw on different aspects of yourself to create true, believable characters. This is the essence of write what you know. It's not just about the facts of your experience, although you can and certainly should select facts if they're relevant to the story. But writing what you know is more about your emotional truth. So channel what's true emotionally for you into your characters. Number two, observe. You want to think of your imagination like an engine. So when you notice the world around you, observations provide your imagination with this fuel. So when you need to bring a character to life, you have a wealth of details to inspire you. Instead of using personal memories to recreate emotion in your scenes, you can use real observations to create three-dimensional characters. Stella Adler famously told this to our acting students, don't be boring. Now, this advice goes much deeper than creating a memorable character or a unique narrative voice. Don't be boring is about more than entertaining the audience, your reader. And what she meant is simply to think seriously about human nature. She believed acting was in service to delivering humanity to the audience. So she encouraged her students to think seriously about human nature and communicate something about what it means to be human. So observe the people around you in restaurants, in your kid's playground, capture details. What strikes you as interesting when you're out and about? When I was living in New York City, I used to take my journal across the street to Timothy's Cafe, and I'd sit by the window with my big cup of coffee and just observe people walk by. I was right on Second Avenue, and there were so many interesting people. I'd see Kurt Vonnegut, who lived near me. He would wander by, and I noticed that he usually lingered outside the liquor store looking in the window uh, before perhaps thinking about what bottle of wine or scotch he might buy later when the store was open. Who knows? And then he'd amble on up Second Avenue and continue his walk. Or I'd see the old man with the green leprechaun suit with the hunched back. I'd even see old friends from high school rush on by their way to their jobs. And I'd capture all these details in my journal. Now, it's not that I used these details necessarily in stories I was writing, but maybe I'd borrow that leprechaun green suit for another character. Robin Hemley wrote this great story installations written from the point of view of a subway car conductor who described the subway riders. And he had these really great details about what they were wearing and the buttons on the shirt. And one subway rider had half 
blonde hair and half black hair. It was very vivid. And no doubt there was a blend of observed and imagined details, but where did they come from? They may have been composites from several people he observed and not necessarily in a subway car. So details give your story authority. They make it feel real. They give your reader a tactile world to inhabit and see. So I like to use journals and notebooks just to jot down details I observe. It could be meals or plants or details from a foreign city or um, conversations that I overhear. You can also use the journal to observe yourself, your internal dialogue, observe your interactions with people around you, especially the people that you're intimate with. How do you fight? How do you love? Take note of the subtext. Take note of the way you avoid talking about hard things. The great thing about observing and writing things down is you never know where ideas will come from. My friend once noticed a couple sitting on a bench along the Seine. She has an apartment there and it prompted her to write a story. So that simple chance observation took flight into a story. For whatever reason, the interaction between the couple sparked her interest and she took it from there. So you want to always be feeding your imagination, observe, capture your observations on paper. The details you capture, the details you bring to your pages will give your story authority. Number three, physical objects. You want to link the external to the internal. This is one of the techniques that Uta Hagen used with her students. Now, I find the best way to connect with the characters by physical objects that surround them, even if those objects never make it into the story itself. Now, I just did an episode on how to select significant details in your story. It's episode 81. So after this episode, go listen to that. I'll link in the show notes. But Focusing on objects, somehow this helps me drop into a particular emotion. So physical objects can be repositories for a character's emotional experience, emotions that the character isn't even consciously aware they have. So even if the physical objects never make it into the story, it helps to drop into that emotional universe that the character has. It helps me fully inhabit the character, and it helps me connect with something deeper. So I'm thinking of this great scene in Suzanne Burney's novel, A Crime in the Neighborhood, where the 10-year-old narrator is noticing the broken and stained things in her house. So there's an ink stain on one of the sofa cushions and so forth and a few other things. But at the end of the paragraph, she says, I never noticed my house contained so many damaged things. So she shifts the focus to the objects in her house and says something essential about what she's experiencing. I'm also thinking about this scene in Niagara Falls all over again, where Mose, the main character, is grieving the death of his baby daughter who drowned in a pool. So rather than chase us into the corner with Moses' grief, 
which we can imagine is agonizing, he gives us the objects that the baby used to collect and kind of hide throughout the house. And they're very specific objects and it's heartbreaking. So when you're trying to convey an emotion, find your things. You want to link the external to the internal. You don't want objects just to be there as ornamentation or just to give this aura of reality. So you don't want to just put objects in a room for example, for ornamentation, you don't want to clutter your scenes with furniture just because it was there in the room or it gives this aura of of reality. You want to think about your character's state of mind. What would they notice and how would they slant those details? So to make a story feel true to the reader, here are some points I want to leave you with. Number one, be your character. Step inside their experience. Use emotional recall. What if this situation were really happening? How would you react? How would you feel? Superimpose that onto the scene. Number two, observe. Fuel your imagination. Observe the world around you. Observe yourself in relationship to other people or in private. Capture your observations on paper. The details you capture, the details you bring to your pages will give your story so much authority and you'll never run out of story material. You'll never run out of ideas. Number three, use physical objects. Link the external to the internal. You want to use restraint here. You don't want to chase the reader into a corner with your character's emotions. So practice restraint, find your things. Now for more on how to select details and objects, go listen to episode 81. I'll link in the show notes. The bottom line We want to believe there's a human being there, a real human being, a character who's memorable and distinct, a character we've never met before. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Writer Unleashed. If this episode resonated with you, please go leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Reviews are key to keeping Writer Unleashed on the top of the charts where other writers can find us. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, join us on our private Facebook group, Writer Unleashed Community. It's totally free to join. And if you want more free resources, plus writing tips, I only share an email. Sign up over at nancypinuccio.com. I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Till then, keep writing, and I'll talk to you soon.